welcome to Night and Tales. This podcast was created during the International Year of the Nurse and Nurse Midwife. And what a year that was. This podcast is dedicated to telling stories of nurses from across our profession. Our goal is to introduce you to the seemingly infinite possibilities in nursing and encourage you to find your true passion within this work. I'm your host, Jessica Spruitt, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back to another episode of Night and Tales. We have another guest with us today and another unique perspective of the nursing journey in our world. So today joining us is Ellen Stewart. Ellen is an adult gerontology acute care nurse practitioner, and she works in interventional cardiology at Michigan Medicine. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that we've talked a lot about the different roles of advanced practice registered nurses. And we've talked about, you know, the four different types of um, advanced practice nurses, one of them being nurse practitioners. And then you probably remember that based on that role of a nurse practitioner, you have a specialty concentration. And so it may be neonatal, it may be pediatric, and in Ellen's case, it's adult gerontology. And then remember that there's a role for primary care adult gerontology nurse practitioners, and also acute care. And Ellen is coming to us today. She's our first acute care adult gerontology nurse practitioner. And she's going to share the unique perspectives of an APRN who has worked in the cath lab as well. So Ellen, thank you so much for being here and for shedding light on this, you know, this other advanced practice role in nursing. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's a great opportunity to kind of share a role that I knew nothing about when I was a nursing student. Um, so I hope I can give some insight to those that are trying to figure out their path. Well, as you know, I love that. That's part of the goal of this podcast is to really share the perspective of things that we don't see within nursing school. You know, there's just not enough time to see how many opportunities are out there for us. So I'm excited to learn about this and learn what your trajectory looked like. So if you don't mind, Ellen, start us out, please, about school, your first job, and kind of what led you down this path, please. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my grandma was a nurse, so that was what kind of turned me on to the idea of nursing. And my mom um, was a teacher, specifically with children with disabilities. So um, through kind of volunteering and working and helping with her in her classrooms, I kind of started to get an idea of wanting to take care of patients, wanting to provide care. And um, I truly didn't specifically think about nursing, actually, until I went to apply to the University of Michigan. And their nursing program is a little bit unique in that you can apply directly to the nursing school program right out of high school. So as I was filling out the application for the University of Michigan, I, I saw that opportunity and it, start, it got me to start thinking really like really more critically about what I wanted to do with my life and like what my trajectory through college was going to look like. And I realized that nursing really checked all the boxes for me. Um, you know, it gave me the opportunity to care for patients, to meet them where they were, to provide education, to help um, you know, it, better their lives and be a part of their journey. Um, also, there's the benefits of the flexible hours, the unique schedule that call, falls within nursing, the idea of working a nine to five Monday through Friday just didn't fit in my brain as an 18 year old. Um, and I love the idea that I was gonna graduate in four years and have a very tangible, usable degree where a lot of my friends were, you know, going for mass, you know, programs that, you know, they might've been graduating with not a clear path of what they were doing after school. So. I graduated from the University of Michigan in uh, 2012 and um, moved to Chicago for my first nursing job at Loyola Medicine. Uh, it was a really, really awesome opportunity. It was truly my kind of first um, exposure to the, the cath lab. We saw post-cath patients, we saw ACS patients, STEMI and STEMI. 
stable, um, it was basically like a cardiology telemetry unit. So stable patients that could be on the floor uh, that we were kind of managing heart failure, uh, cardiology. And it was my first exposure to LVAD patients too. Not something that I, maybe I learned about in nursing school, but I hadn't remembered. So you just, you know, such an influx of information those four years. So it really was my first true experience um, kind of getting my hands on all this cardiology stuff. Um, just about a year after being on that, that unit, they actually divided the unit up and split it into a cardiology unit and a hepatology unit. They put all the new baby nurses over on the hepatology nurses on the unit because the more senior nurses didn't, weren't interested in dealing with liver failure. So um, I found myself as the most senior nurse after only a year of nursing on the night shift for this brand new unit. So it kind of forced me very early in my career to really stand up into a leadership position and be there to support my fellow colleagues as we kind of figured out this new patient population and kind of took on that role of a charge nurse, which I think, you know, kind of led me down my trajectory there from there on, because I, I quickly learned when you're in that role of a charge nurse that there's so many questions being asked of you, so many things you need to know about how to coordinate patient care, you know, how do you create an assignment that's safe for the patient, safe for the nurse that's taking those, you know, all of those things you're thinking through. And it really got me thinking that I just wanted more formal education. I just felt like I got a lot of great information from nursing school, but I, I just needed more. So, um, you know, I looked at nursing schools in Chicago, but my family and my now fiance brought me back to Michigan and I uh, pursued a um, master's with, with the University of Michigan uh, with a focus on adult gerontology, acute care nurse practitioner. Um, I focused on the acute care because I really, again, really loved the flexibility of the hours, you know, it's, you don't have to work that nine to five, you can do weekends, you can do holidays, you can do night shift, there's all that flexibility. And I was always a um, very active person growing up. I'm a runner, I played soccer uh, on the club soccer team at Michigan. So the idea of, for me, when I thought about a clinic job, it felt like maybe I wouldn't be on my feet quite as much. And I wanted to hold on to that, what you get as a bedside nurse, being able to walk from patient rooms and doing the procedures, putting the IVs in, doing the blood draws, all that kind of procedural stuff that you get as a bedside nurse, I thought I would be able to have my hands kind of on some of that still as an advanced practice writer in the acute care setting. So that's how I found myself um, in that degree program. Uh, I then graduated with my master's in 2017, and um, I got my first job with the cardiac surgery step-down uh, unit at the University of Michigan. And it really uh, was a really great experience taking care of post-cardiac surgery patients. Um, I mean, a lot of, our, of those patients, if they're doing well, they're moved out of the ICU within 18 hours. So we're taking care of like very fresh post-op patients. You know, they're not in the ICU long. So dealing with, you know, all those, any post-op complications that you could, uh, ex, you know, come across. I think um, one point I like, I would like to make is that I think a big reason I was able to get my foot in the door in a pretty specialized, pretty kind of high stress, uh, um, team as a new graduate was going back to my experience with LVADs uh, back at back at Loyola, um, where I think it was just kind of a, it's kind of a cool point when I reflect back that sometimes when you're in the moment and you're learning these new skills and you're like taking care of these new patient populations, you don't necessarily realize the, that the, what that could have on your future career, right? So when they saw on my resume, oh, she's got LVAD experience, you know, a lot of providers don't get that experience um, early on in their career. So I think it was just a really cool opportunity in that I kind of could bring this new, uh, another perspective of taking care of the LVAD patients from a nursing role. Um, so I ended up being with that team for about three and a half years. And it was through that team that I got to know 
the interventional cardiologist. So that team is also responsible for um, taking care of the TAVR patients and the, we call them the matrix patients. So basically that is all patients that get some sort of transcatheter um, valvular um, procedure. So instead of an open and heart surgery to fix their aortic valve or their mitral valve, they do it um, transcatheterized. So in, to avoid an open surgery. So the cardiac surgery team also cared for those patients and that it was the interventional cardiologists who actually rounded on those patients. So I had the opportunity to get to know um, three of them that do those procedures pretty routinely. And uh, I found myself at a point where I was, you know, getting a little frustrated in my current role and I found that I needed a change. Um, and I learned of an, a job opportunity with this team. Um, so now I've been with interventional cardiology for just over a year. It's been an awesome opportunity. I was able to kind of get back to that, uh, being on my feet a little bit more, doing more procedures, being in the procedural area. And I've just found a true love and passion for it. Um, I'm in the cath lab doing the procedures with the attendings. Um, and then I'm also seeing patients, those same patients in clinic uh, one day a week. It, you know, it's been really rewarding in that, like just actually just this morning, I saw a patient that he was complaining of anginal symptoms like a month, two months ago now. I saw him in clinic. We ca I was at part of his cath procedure. Um, I, and then I got to see him today, a month after his PCI and to see how he's recovered and doing better. So it's been a really cool opportunity to kind of see that full, full circle. So that's kind of a long, long description of kind of my uh, trajectory to get to how I got to where I am now. Oh, I think that's perfect. And I love the continuity that you're describing. And you can imagine it's pretty rewarding to have seen a patient who is symptomatic, performed an intervention, and then, you know, seen them recover well, um, and probably get some elements of their life back that they were missing quite a bit um, during those symptoms. So Ellen, can you describe to us a little bit, for those of us who don't function um, day to day within a cath lab, um, you know, what is the role of a nurse and an advanced practice nurse look like um, in a cath lab? You're talking about procedures and being kind of really involved going in there with, you know, your physician colleague. What does that look like? Yeah. So again, I, not something, cath lab was not a place that I really knew much about as a student in nursing, in my nursing program, and even into my NP program. I mean, it's, a very pretty specialized area. Um, so kind of what it looks like is we each cath lab usually is staffed with one uh, bedside nurse, one RN. Those RNs do have to have ICU experience because, you know, we're, we're giving medications that yeah, people have to be comfortable giving. Um, that nurse is going to be responsible for closely monitoring the vital signs, keeping an eye on the oxygenation, um, giving, administering sedation. We don't have anesthesia or like a CRNA in the procedures. Um, we do once in a while, but not routinely. Um, so they're uh, responsible for administering sedation and any medications that the attending might ask for. Uh, we have two um, techs, which their formal name are registered cardiovascular invasive specialists, which was a, a kind of um, role within the healthcare setting that I knew nothing about until I got this lab here. So um, they are certified, they take an ex exam. Uh, there's actually a program in Michigan that's like kind of renowned throughout the country that people come to to get to get this training uh, to become a certified. So an RCIS is what they're called, cardiology specific tech. Uh, so we have those with us. They're all you know experts at the different devices we use, the different balloons, wires, all the equipment that is used in the cath lab. So we usually have one nurse, two of those um, RCIS techs, 
One is usually being the monitor, meaning they're at the computer, again, assisting the nerves and monitoring the vitals, monitoring the rhythm, the heart rate, all of that recording everything that we're doing in the procedures that we have a log of it afterwards. And then one is circulating the case, meaning that they're getting the equipment we're asking for, they're handing off that equipment to us. And uh, then it's myself and I have a PA colleague who is in a certain similar role. And then either one of our third year cardiology fellows or our fourth year interventional fellows, really myself and one of them that scrubbed into the procedure and actually doing the procedure. So um, depending on the case, depending on the attending, I will get the uh, arterial access. We go either through uh, the radial artery or the femoral artery. And if we're doing a right heart cath, we'll maybe need venous access too. So I also do that. Um, and then I'm assisting with the whole procedure. So putting the wires up, putting the catheters up, taking the pictures. Um, my big role is actually, which again, something I knew nothing about a year ago. Uh, I looked at many of angiograms working in cardiac surgery and taking care of post-cabbage patients, but never really knew how those pictures came to be. Um, so now my, my role, my major role is to actually, what we call it, is called panning. So I'm actually moving the table to the cameras in one spot and you move the patient to actually um, see that, get the pictures. So the fellow is injecting the dye, I'm panning the table to make sure that we're, you know, seeing the, the arteries fill, we're seeing where any blockages might be. Um, and then from there, of course, if they need any sort of intervention, we're, we're doing that at that point too. Wow. That sounds really cool. That, like a really unique role um, and yeah. really involved. And as we said, not anything that you learned in nursing school and not anything that you learned in your graduate program either. So how did you learn all of this and how do you stay current? Because, you know, what I know of interventional cardiology is that it's a field that's, you know, rapidly evolving and something that, um, you know, it's obviously preferable to open procedures. So how do you keep up with all of that? Yeah, so um, I've been really, really blessed in that my team and my director and my department has been really um excited to bring me on up until me being hired there's they've had they have a PA um, that's been in this their same role as me for over 10 years now but he's only he's always been the only one there um so I'm like their you know second person that they've added into the role so they've all been you know they want me to succeed and it's really cool to be in a team that's like there for you and really is trying to support you so uh between all my attendings I mean they've all been great um, and also all the fellow cardiology fellows are awesome at, you know, explaining things and going through things. And it's just been, you know, really learning on the job. Um, I do plan to attend, um, you know, of course with COVID these last couple of years, all the conferences have not been happening, but, um, I am going to be going to TVT, which is a conference put on by one of the cardiology educational foundations, which is, um, transcatheter valvular therapeutics is what TVT stands for. So basically it's going to be a big conference, um, talking about all the diff different things that are coming out down the pipeline in the TAVR world. So, you know, your transcatheter aortic valve replacements, um, we're doing a lot of different procedures for even transcatheter, uh, tricuspid valve replacements, mitroclips, all, there's all these different, these new products that are coming out. And at this point, I don't currently have a role in this, I'm not scrubbing into those procedures, but that is the goal um, that my cath lab director has is to get myself and my colleague um, assisting in, in those procedures as well. So I'll be attending that conference in a, just about a, two months. It's in June. And, and then honestly, it's doing a lot of you know, self-education. Uh, again, my, my attendings were very, very um, supportive and you know, wanted me to succeed. So they gave me a lot of textbooks to read. It was a lot of just reviewing 
YouTube. I mean, YouTube has been such a great um, resource. There's just so many good, like really well done videos about just what to do in the cath lab and, you know, the things that I'm working on. And so that's been a really good resource as well. Wow, that sounds um, like a lot of fun. You know, a, a great challenge, something that probably keeps you on your toes day to day. And probably I imagine that, um, you know, no two days really look the same. Um, mm -hmm. But what a great opportunity. And I think it's also a nice opportunity to highlight that your learning really never stops and that it is your obligation and your responsibility um, to continue that learning and to continuously engage in that. Because really, no matter what specialty we are in, we're going to need to keep, you know, up up to date and current with what we are offering patients and their families. But I think especially in a field like yours, Ellen, what you're sharing is really kind of um, an exemplar of that. Yeah, I mean, I think it, sure it, for, for, oh, sorry, from, from my perspective, I'll just say like, when you find a, a part of medicine or a part of a, a role that you're really excited about, it, it's really easy to do that. Um, it's been fun learning all this and I'm excited to, you know, see how things change in this field over the next, you know, coming years because there's so much that's coming down um, from all the research that's been going on. So I, I, it's really just finding that place where you're excited to go to work every day and excited to learn more. It makes it, it makes it very easy. <laughs> That's what I love so much about nursing. Um, you know, you said you were feeling a little bit burned out. You were feeling a little bit frustrated. You know, you needed a change. And here you are within the same specialty of cardiology, within the same, you know, you're still a nurse. You're still an advanced practice nurse. Um, you know, you're still functioning, um, you know, like you were, but in a different environment that allows you to kind of refresh your career and keep going. And I love that so much about our profession. I think you've stated that really well. I um, was curious, we can go back a minute. I was thinking about you finding yourself on this newly developed hepatology unit, being one year out of school, a charge nurse. Um, and I imagine that although at the time um, it wasn't for the same reasons, I imagine a lot of newer graduates are finding themselves in that situation right now. You know, here we are two years into a pandemic um, with a lot of turnover, a lot of burnout, um, you know, struggling with retention and staffing. What do you think, um, what strategies were helpful to you? What do you think it was that helped you kind of persevere through that where as a new charge nurse, you were able to still be effective on your unit, be a nice resource to your colleagues who had even less experience than you in a time where you were learning something brand new also? Um, I, th I think the big thing is no, don't be afraid to not know the answer. Um, you're not expected to know everything. And there's no way we can ever know everything in medicine, right? There's always new updates coming out. There's always things, things are always changing. So don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to ask the question. Know that sometimes when you ask the question of the doctor, whether that be a trainee, a, a resident or fellow or the, or the attending, you, you might not get the nicest response back, but just always remember, you know, cause they, they're busy too and they're doing a million things at once. And sometimes they don't wanna take that extra second to explain it to you, their reasoning of, you know, if you're not understanding why they're ordering a new medication, why they're ordering a test. But um, what I always tried to remind myself is I'm here for the patient. I'm kind of that, especially as a bedside nurse, you know, I'm, I'm the last line before anything happens to this patient. And I have to understand what's going on for me to make sure that what's going on is best for my patient. So is, I know it's hard and I, it's cliche to say, but try not to take it personal if somebody, you know, snaps at you for asking a question. You're never in the wrong for asking a question. Um, and trying to find the right answer. I think too, keeping, um, you know, there was nurses that trained you. So try to keep in contact with them. I mean, my preceptors were always such great resources. 
Uh, even though they technically weren't on my unit anymore, they were they were still kind of there. I mean, they split the unit in half, so their their desks were a little bit in a different place, but they were still there. I could still walk down the hall to them and be like, "Hey, I've got this situation going on. Like, I think this is what I want to do, but you know, what do you think?" And really using your other nursing colleagues um, for resources. And I think too, if you have you had a teacher or a clinical instructor you really connected to um, in nursing school, don't hesitate to reach back out to them. I, I think anytime I've ever reached out to an old colleague or an old professor or something, they're always, we're, we're, we're nurses as a core where we want to support each other and we want each other to succeed. So I don't think that anyone would ever fault you for reaching out. So I think that's the big thing is ask questions if you don't know, and just remind yourself that you're there for the patient and you're trying to figure out and, you know, figure it all out and do what's best for them, but also, you know, have your, have your resource in your back pocket. I think that that's such great advice, really all of those points, you know, serving as such an important role as the advocate for the patient and that last line of defense and also the first line of recognition, right? You, you play such an, an integral role as, as part of the team as that bedside nurse. Um, and yes, asking questions bravely <laughs> um, mm-hmm. in the spirit of really get providing the best care. Um, I love that. And I think finally, you know, when you say, you know, you've never had trouble reaching back out to a colleague or an instructor or someone who has crossed your nursing path. um, I think this podcast is such a perfect example of that because every guest on this show has so willingly given of their time and, you know, been willing to offer these pearls and support our next generation of, um, of nurses. So I appreciate that. I think that was great advice, Ellen. Thanks. as we wrap up today, you know, kind of talking about your role um, as an adult gerontology acute care nurse practitioner and within the cath lab, is there anything else that you would want to share with listeners or anything else that we should include in this episode? Um, I think the other big point I have is um, you can't take care of others until you take care of yourself first. Um, I think in our profession, and especially because we all go into it wanting to care for other people, we go in with such like big hearts and we want to do the best for our patients. But then what, what happens, I think I've, you know, I see this quite a bit with nurses is then we, we overwork ourselves. We pick up extra shifts because those, as our unit's short and we, we care about our coworkers and we don't want them to be short. So we're staying late. We're picking up extra and we're not putting in the self-care. I mean, it's hard, but you've got to make sure you're making time for yourself. Cause if you're not caring for yourself, you, you're not going to be there hundred percent for your, for your patients. So, um, I, I just, feel like it's so important to make sure don't lose your hobbies don't you know mess up your exercise regimen and you know whatever is your thing right if if it's going for a run make sure you make that happen if it's you know reading a book you know doing that so I I think the biggest thing is making time for yourself um, outside of nursing makes you a better nurse Thank you for that advice. I think truer words have never been spoken. And I think, again, especially at a time like this, you know, when our profession has really shown up tirelessly for over two years now, it's really important to remember to stay in tune to ourselves and to kind of offer that self-care so that we can keep going, right? We've got many decades ahead of us. (laughs) So that's such great advice. Ellen, I so appreciate your energy for this work and your willingness to share your story with us. I think that you've offered great, really tangible advice today and great explanations that get us kind of excited about this role in interventional cardiology and um, within acute care um, as we care for our adult patients. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. This has been really fun to kind of, for me, even before you know prepping for the podcast, I kind of you know reflected on my career and sometimes 
we don't think to do that. And like, it was, it, it was really fun for me myself to even kind of look back and see, you know, all I've done and where I'm at now. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do that. And um, I think the last thing I would say is, like, as we've kind of touched on, I mean, the, the world of interventional cardiology is only going to get bigger. So um, I think it's definitely something that people should keep on their radar if, if cardiology is something that they're interested in, because it's, there's, we're definitely going to need more people, <laughs> more nurses, more nurse practitioners, all of it. So thank you so much. Well, no, thank you. Yeah, so many great opportunities. So if you're listening to this episode and you're thinking, wow, this sounds so exciting. And I think that Ellen's done a great job conveying the excitement and the energy around this. Um, then definitely, you know, pursue opportunities to explore it and see what is available to you. Because as she's suggesting, this will likely just continue to grow. So, and I really, I'm grateful for your time, Ellen. Thank you so much for this episode. And I hope that you'll all join us for the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Night and Tales. As you do, we encourage you to consider the unique nature of each person's journey through this profession. The views shared on this podcast are those of an individual, not the academic institution that they graduated from, their employer, or the professional organization that they're active in. The stories of their career path and progression are not intended to suggest that there is a uniform approach to achieving similar accomplishments, but to open your mind to all that is available to you. Each journey in nursing is as unique as each individual that we serve. We hope you'll listen again next time.